Welcome back to Marlins 9. Marlins fans everywhere. I'm your host, Jeremiah Geiger. I'm super excited for this episode. I've got my notebook out. We've got a lot to talk about today. Um, Jotted down some notes on all the different storylines I'm going to touch on. First off, baseball is back. The Super Bowl was a couple weeks ago putting an end to football season and the start of spring training has happened and I couldn't be more excited for this Marlins team as we enter a new season it's 2023 and at the beginning of every year every team is zero and zero and every team has hope every team has that one goal of reaching a world series and when you're zero and zero you know Every single team has that possibility. And as Marlins fans, we all know far too well what it's like to lose. But who knows? This could be the year that we start seeing some winning. So spring training, that is what begins it all. This this is the kickstart to what's going to be a long season, a really fun season and exciting uh, times to watch to watch baseball. So spring training, first thoughts I I have is just evaluating and looking at different prospects, different um, young players that could be the building block for for Marlins teams of the future, I think is one of them. Um, You know what you have in veterans such as Sandy, um, you know, Guys that have have come over, Gene Segura, Luis Arias. These guys, yeah, of course it's going to be great to see them perform um, and get their work in. But the thing of the matter is like spring training is a good opportunity just to build a base. Record obviously doesn't matter because the Marlins the last few seasons have had really good spring training records in the Grapefruit League and have performed subpar in the regular season. So record doesn't necessarily matter. And the statistics, I would even argue, of the the big-name veterans like Sandy or, you know, for example, Johnny Cueto, who struggled mightily in his spring training debut, I don't think they weigh as much as, um, you know, as much as fans worry about it. I should say the the fans that that look at spring training stats and delve too deeply into it. I don't know if they're going to um, if that's the best course of action, because we've seen a lot of players show up in the spring and then not show up in the major league uh, regular season. Uh, Lewis Brinson is a guy that comes to mind. But there's one player in particular mentioning young up and coming prospects that I think Every Marlins fan and every baseball fan should just be intrigued to watch this generational-type talent. And he's a pitcher. He's 19 years old. If you haven't guessed it, his name is Yuri Perez. Yuri Perez, the best pitching prospect in all of baseball for the Miami Marlins. Pitched in double-A last season. Um gets a look at Major League spring, spring Training and gets an opportunity to really develop and pitch to big league hitters. And he made his spring training debut 
and wow is all I can say from 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 his arm talent. Um, the upside of this guy is through the roof. It is absolutely sky high. A hundred mile hour fastball, ninety one with the change. You know, got got some got a couple innings in today, and nineteen years old. Him and Sandy Alcantara have a very good relationship. It's somebody that is um, like an older brother to him, someone that will take him under his wing and teach him not only about pitching to the best of his ability, but also how to navigate life as a major league baseball player. Because Yuri Perez is going to be a major league pitcher sooner rather than later. The opportunity for him in spring training is to really work on his time on the mound and fine-tune his craft because the natural talent sure is there. Again, I'm not looking at his statistics per se um, because it's all about developing. For example, one day, one spring training outing, okay, let's let's really work on pitch sequencing. Um, let's really work on our breaking ball and, and and it's a whole cumulative thing it's not just about the game it, it's it's about what they're doing on the training field in the training facility how they're attacking the gym how are they keeping uh taking care of their bodies and this goes for all the players so for yuri perez that is the number one thing is to listen to the coaches and his teammates and really fine tune his craft because he is an absolute natural talent, super excited for the rest of spring and the upcoming season for him. Um, second, second point I'm going to get into is the defense for the Marlins. And this ties into spring training and what it means for how teams mesh, how teams develop um not not statistically but just know how to play together much like basketball you look at a lot of a lot of super teams um that didn't work out for example the Brooklyn Nets uh when they had Kevin Durant James Harden Kyrie Irving three individually very talented players they didn't exactly work out when they had to play together on the court and with the Marlins defense and this is where I'm going with this the Marlins defense has to learn how to play together because there it is a lot different from last season and the pitching success that the Marlins have had the Cy Young season from Sandy Alcantara a lot of that was dependent on solid reliable defensive play and I cannot emphasize this enough. As much as the Marlins have, have struggled with the bats and with hitting the baseball, they need to maintain the same level, if not better, of performance defensively so that their pitchers um, don't have the pressure of having to strike out every guy they face. Sandy isn't a strikeout guy. He is a ground ball pitcher, an elite ground ball pitcher at that. And the middle infield and the corner positions in the infield for the Marlins have got to learn and fine-tune their positions. If Even if it means, for example, Gene Segura at third 
who hasn't played that position more than about 25, 30 games in his career. The exact number is actually 24 games. Looking at my notes, 24 games he's played third base. How is he going to transition into a new, a completely new position at the hot corner? How is he going to make that transition and, and continue an elite level of defensive play overall for the Marlins? Luis Arias, how is he going to fit into second? Kind of a guy without a position, can kind of play second, can play first, can, can do a lot of things. But moving forward, he's going to be the Marlins' second baseman. How does he fit into that knowing that for the for, for opening day and hopefully beyond, that's his position. He is the second baseman. How is how is shortstop going to be manned? Um, the always reliable Miguel Rojas is no longer with the team. That leaves a big gaping hole at short. It looks like Joey Wendell is going to just slide right into there. How is he going to attack that and can, can maintain a consistent level of play at shortstop every single day unless a guy like like Jacob Amaya comes into the picture who the Marlins acquired this offseason. Um, does he have does he have a piece uh to this puzzle at the shortstop position? And this is what spring training does. It allows these guys to work out, fa- see their flaws, identify what they have to do to get better um and play more consistent, clean baseball defensively. And it's it's an exciting time for for this organization because this is where you fine tune your craft in order for the regular season because when the regular season gets going um things can either get away from you in a hurry or you can find yourself being very competitive with the level of talent the Marlins have i think they can be competitive it's about consistency and bounce back seasons um coming from the hitting and I mention that because if the Marlins want to be competitive, two guys in particular are really going to need to step up offensively. And that's Solaire Power, Jorge Solaire, and Avisail Garcia. Two marquee free agent signings from Kim Eng had really awful years last year. How are they going to take accountability and... Are they taking the accountability to make sure that they put in the work this spring so the power comes back, the um, the health status, that they stay healthy, and they can, can give this Marlins team a much-needed boost in the power department for a team that slugged the worst percentage, that had the worst slugging percentage in all of the National League. Those two are going to be huge in order for the Marlins to compete come 2023 i've said this before jorge soler avisail garcia they're veterans but they are keys they are the keys to this car um their consistency their availability and their production another guy uh i didn't mention defensively but i think is actually the biggest the biggest defensive change will be seeing this this upcoming season is Jazz Chisholm in center. How is Jazz taking that? Well, he I mean Jazz is Jazz is the type of guy he he rocks the swag all the time. 24/7. It's what makes him one of the marquee faces of this game 
the face of this franchise. And he says that uh, going to the outfield is easy, um, that he likes doing it, that he that he's good at catching fly balls, works on it, practices on it. And I love the confidence. I absolutely love that coming from Jazz Chisholm, a player of his caliber and his talent, willing to make a switch, going to center field, allowing Arias to slide right into second base and to have that attitude of, Hey, I may never have played center field, but I don't have a doubt in my mind that I can't, that I can do it. Like, I, I love that. I absolutely love his energy out there moving to the outfield. Really excited to see um, his development in center field over the rest of spring training, how all all the outfield defensively learns to mesh and work together so we don't have some laughable errors come opening day and beyond. Um, the, other, the other day, Jazz had a bit of a misplay out in center. Um and that's one of those things that there's going to be mistakes. I I think a lot of fans tend to take one or two at-bats, one or two defensive plays, and blow it out of proportion. I'm not like that. It's all about how are the players developing, learning to play together, and improving on a daily basis. So what I'm going to get into now is the biggest storyline of Major League Baseball this offseason is how Major League Baseball has changed. And I refer to a few rule changes that have happened to make the game look different, to appeal to a younger audience, to try to consistently grow this game into the future. Major League Baseball made some pretty drastic and permanent rule decisions. And there's three of them I'm going to get into. One is the pitch clock. Two is the ghost runner. And three is the different sizes of the bases. So I'm going to start with the with the bases. And this is my favorite rule change because I like watching speed. I like seeing which players are making a run at the stolen base crown every season. And, you know, back in the 80s, when guys would routinely steal for 70, 80, and guys like Ricky Henderson, 100 bases a season, Ricky Henderson would steal over 100 bases a season. Let that sink in. That is unheard of in today's game. To make the bases bigger, to encourage that, to encourage running from teams, to encourage aggressive base running and aggressive approaches when you reach base, um, instead of just standing at first and going station to station, I love it. I think it's I think it's gonna make the game a lot more exciting. And we have on the Marlins, there's a couple guys, John Birdie, in particular, who this really benefits. Jazz Chisholm, this really benefits. Uh, guys that have the the natural speed to steal forty bags, um, forty bags a season. It increases their odds of doing so it makes them automatically they're going to be more aggressive running the bases and trying to steal i love it it in my opinion it's the best rule change and it's good for the sport as a whole however there are two other rules the ghost runner and the pitch clock that 
to be honest, I just don't, I don't agree with. And I think it is Major League Baseball doing too much. The pitch clock. Over the last couple days, there have been numerous instances in spring training. Um, Manny Machado was one of them. And there was a game between the Boston Red Sox and I'm not sure the other team. I saw it on Twitter, um, but it was a tie game. Ninth inning, bases loaded. And the batter took too long to get into the box and a strike was awarded automatic strike for the batter in that case it was strike three and that ended the inning ended the threat can you really see a justified explanation for this in in the major in the regular season i can't because to me if i go to a baseball game and yes maybe it's it's 30 minutes quicker 40 minutes quicker that particular day and that's how the game ends by a strike called because the batter wasn't in the box. I just, I think it's lame. I think it's one of those things where Major League Baseball is implementing a rule that in theory speeds up the game and it does speed up the game, which is not a bad thing. But the consequences for for that, the consequences of the game being sped up, is certain plays and certain circumstances like this, where a guy gets a strike three called on them, where a pitcher will, on a three-ball count, take a second too long to deliver the pitch, ball four. How many instances are we going to see this in the regular season and in what um, what high-pressure scenario, what high-pressure uh, circumstance is this going to happen? I don't like it. I don't like it at all. The ghost runner, I don't like. I when when a baseball game goes to extra innings, to put a runner on second base when it first came out a couple years ago, and then for the postseason, I was never a fan. Um, I like letting teams battle it out, letting teams use strategy, and honestly, I like seeing an extra inning game go long. It's it's one of those things where it ain't over till it's over and it's what makes our game so special is you have to keep playing until the team with the lead gets three outs. There's no time. There's no ties. It's not like the NFL where in overtime there is a running clock and when the clock hits zero, that's it, no matter what the score is. Um, and that doesn't take away from from what baseball is unique in the, in this case, but it does amp up the pressure a lot. It's like, okay, we're, we're going to give you a, a free run. If you play your cards, right. It's for a runner to be on second base and no outs. It's very hard on the pitcher. It's very hard on the defense. And it's, it's just who can push that run across first pretty much. And then pitch a clean inning the next inning. To me, I, I never liked it. I like seeing games in extra innings go long. I've had some some cool memories of watching baseball games, staying up late, like, oh, wow, it's the 15th inning. Imagine that. And I know this is not the majority of people, but this is my podcast, and this is what I think, is that when it goes to extra innings, I, love, I, I actually really enjoy 
and um, seeing a game go deep late into the night. The diehard fans stay at the game. We're all cheering. You know, it, it got a lot quieter since the first inning. Players you don't necessarily know um, could even swing a baseball bat or suddenly pinch hitting. You run out of pinch hitters. It's it's unique to baseball, and it's something that it's a little thing. It's it's um, it's not the end of the world, but it's something that I'll miss. And that's my thoughts on the Ghost Runner. Um, but the last thing regarding regarding the Marlins, because this is a Marlins podcast, and I was transitioning a little bit into just Major League Baseball as a whole. But the last point on today's podcast is with the new manager, Skip Shoemaker, how are the Marlins going to, I'm excited, how are they going to change the culture of this team into a winning culture? Because culture is key when it comes to any organization. And culture is especially key when it comes to a baseball team who are who are playing every single day for almost six, seven months. How is the culture of this team? How is the clubhouse? Do they want to be here? Do they think they can win? Do they want to win? To hire a guy like Skip Schumacher, who comes from a winning background, he went to the playoffs with his um, in his playing days with Cincinnati and Los Angeles. Um, the, he, the guy was, um, a coach for the Padres. He knows, he knows playoff baseball. He's been there and he's trying to implement the belief and the culture that this team is not a, a few pieces of away from contending that they can contend now. And the players believe it, believe it. Jazz Chisholm says, I feel like we're going to wreck havoc. Uh, John Birdie, John Birdie says they're ready to win. They're ready to win now. Like there's no, there's no fear. There's no doubt that they can't compete even in a loaded division from Kim Ang. She feels that the Marlins can compete. Bruce Sherman feels like the Marlins can compete. Have they done enough? Well, time will tell. Time will tell. Um, Acquiring AJ Puck, the big left-hander from Oakland, in exchange for JJ Blade. JJ never worked out in Miami. He was he wasn't going to start, and with the depth of the outfielders the Marlins had, all although it looks like they're giving up on a prospect, you know they they got a big left-hand bullpen reliever who can come in and has electric stuff, high nineties fastball. Can he stay healthy? Huge addition for the Marlins. Something to really keep an eye on this season. So they've made moves. Matt Barnes, Arias, Segura, you know the names. How are all these new players and the old and the and the veterans and the young guys, how are they all going to mesh under the culture that's being established by Skip Schumacher? I think it's a win now culture. I think it's an aggressive we're here, we can compete. But at the end of the day, that starts at in the training facility, spring training, the games don't matter, the record doesn't matter. How can you get better every single day? Because come opening day, when the light turns green, it's all go from there. 
There's no turning back. There's no excuses. You are going to be required to win at the highest level. And if you don't, you don't. Because the fans, the media, they're not going to give you a break. So time will tell. I couldn't be more excited. I use that word a lot. I love Marlins baseball. I love Marlins baseball. I love being a fan of this team. I love running the pod and getting to share some of my thoughts. And we'll be back with another episode of Marlins 9. Until then, go fish.